As you came into church today, many of you gave your appeal envelopes for this year's Catholic Appeal. The Catholic Appeal supports many of the ministries of the church throughout the Archdiocese of Boston. Giving to the Catholic Appeal is one way that we honor God, that we put our faith into action, and that we here at Ascension lead in our larger church of the Archdiocese of Boston. If you've not yet filled out an envelope, there are some in the back for you to do so, and we'll accept them at any time as you leave or in the coming weeks. Also, you could make a gift or a pledge online on the link on our webpage, theascensionparish.com. On behalf of Cardinal Sean and myself, thank you. We are in the third week of our message series for Lent called Unfiltered, and much of the stuff in our lives is obscured by filters, and as a result, we don't see things, and more importantly, we don't see ourselves and others as God sees us, and this keeps us from being everything that God has created us to be. As we were preparing for this series, I gathered a few members of our team around a, a conference table, and we were brainstorming on each of the week's Gospels and trying to think about what, they, what the Gospels were trying to tell us. And a risk for us in reading the same Gospels year after year is that we might think they could become stale. And you could be tempted to simply read the first line and say to yourself, I know this one and then move on. But God's word is alive, and it speaks to us in different ways, in different seasons of our life, so that is never a good filter for us to view scripture through. Anyhow, when we got to this particular weekend's gospel, which is one of the longest that we read in our, our lectionary, I thought to myself, I know this one. But then Jared said, you know, there's a section in this book called Jesus the Bridegroom. I really think you should read it. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad I did because reading that section set today's gospel for me in a context which previously had gone completely over my head. Now, admittedly, the take here is a bit raw or you could even say unfiltered, but, I, but it shows what God is trying to do in our lives. The Jews, the Jews considered Samaritans to be unclean, so it would have been unusual for Jesus to initiate a conversation with a Samaritan woman, much less ask her for a drink. I got that part. But the part I missed was something that would have been obvious to ancient readers of the text. If you were a single Jewish man and you were looking for a prospective bride, you wouldn't go to the bar or onto an app. At that time, you would go to the local well. That's where the women would be. This is how Moses met his wife Zipporah. This is how Isaac met Rebekah. And this is how Jacob, at whose well they were, met Rachel. And in each of these cases, the man was a foreigner. And in today's gospel, Jesus is the foreigner in the land of Samaria. So I don't know if you're following along, but here is the biblical equation. You have a male foreigner, you have a woman, you have a well, and that equals one thing. Betrothal, marriage, wedding. 
So with this background, you can now understand the surprise the apostles had when they came back with lunch. They may have thought to themselves, Jesus, I thought you were a celibate. Now, what, what is going on here? And even further, as a potential bride, the Samaritan woman has a problematic past. I mean, even by today's standards, five husbands would be a lot. And even the man she's with now isn't her husband. Sometimes God uses extreme cases like this to, to show us the depths of his love. And for those of us who have experienced God's mercy in a profound way in the sacrament of reconciliation, we know that this is in fact how God works. Nothing in our past can make us unlovable to God, even if we don't feel worthy of God's love ourselves. Nothing in our past can make us unlovable to God, even if we don't feel worthy of God's love ourselves. When the Samaritan woman was at the well that day, maybe she didn't think that finding love was possible. And maybe this is the filter she viewed things through when she held Jesus in suspicion. Maybe she thought to herself, here I am at the well, here's this man, I've been through this before. But Jesus doesn't want her to be his spouse in the ordinary sense of the term. And this is clear from how he reveals his true identity to her. And throughout the Gospels, usually Jesus doesn't reveal who he is this clearly. But here, he says it, he says it succinctly. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, and Jesus says, I am he. Jesus reveals himself to be the Messiah, the anointed one. But he's not coming to, to restore an earthly kingdom which is for one people. He's here to establish God's universal kingdom for all people. Jesus is there at the well to heal her brokenness and to make her a member of God's family. And Jesus is here for us to heal our brokenness and to make us members of his family. So in their betrothal, Jesus wants to set the woman in the well in right relationship with the Father. And Jesus seals his intentions with a gift in the same way that a gift begins an engagement today. Except his gift is not an engagement ring. It's living water. At first, the woman thinks that this living water is simply the, the fresh water of a babbling brook. But really, it is from Jesus' pierced heart that these living waters flow. We receive these living waters in baptism when the stain of original sin is washed from our hearts and we receive it in grace, grace being a share in God's divine life which is poured into our souls, especially in the sacraments but in so many other ways too. The point of all of this is that God is not concerned, Jesus is not concerned whether or not you happen to have a complicated past. Jesus only looks forward to his relationship with you. And that's the unfiltered truth. So what should be your response when Jesus unexpectedly enters your life, either for the first time or when he enters your life in a new way?
Well, it should be the same response as the woman at the well. Because the woman at the well, she moved from skepticism to faith. She moved from sadness to joy. She moved from the ways of old to the new life of grace. And then when her heart was full to the point of overflowing, she shared this good news with others. Indeed, the woman at the well is an unlikely apostle. But because of her, many people in her community began to believe. For such an intimate encounter, it's kind of curious that the gospel writers don't give us her name. Perhaps the reason for this is so that we can let down the filters that would keep us from seeing ourselves in her. In a few minutes, we're going to receive Jesus in Holy Communion. And Jesus is going to be as present to us as he was to the woman at the well. So I want you to put yourself in her shoes. And if Jesus is there, what do you think Jesus is looking for in you? And if you give it to him, what impact do you think that will have on the people around you?